Again, I am going to take off my jacket because it's just a little bit warm to me. And uh, usually when I take off my jacket, sometimes I have a tendency to be long-winded, but that's not what I want to try to do this morning. I want to try to keep it short and as profound as I possibly can. Amen? Why don't we open in prayer as we prepare for the word of the Lord. Father, we just bless your name this morning. Father, we are ecstatic. We are excited that, God, that you have brought us into this place so that we can hear your word this morning. Father, we pray this morning for a breakthrough. Oh, Lord, we pray for a breakthrough in the lives of our families, in the lives of our marriages, in the lives of our children this morning. Father, we have come into this place with needs, Lord. And we know, Father, that you have proclaimed and declared in your word that you will supply every need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so, saints, what I want you to do this morning, I want you to personalize your need this morning. I just want you in your heart to personalize your need to the Lord and ask the Lord to meet that need this morning. Father, you hear the hearts of your people even now. Even now, Holy Spirit, this is a profound moment. Touch the hearts of your people, minister healing, minister grace, and Father, we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're going to be continuing this morning in our Family Life series. Uh, This is part number five, and we had started uh, about four weeks ago. We talked about the foundation of marriage. Uh, We talked about the role of the husband. We talked about the role of the wife. Uh, Last week, we dealt with sure-proofing your marriage. And this week, we're going to shift gears just a little bit. And we're going to talk about the foundation to godly parenting. The foundation to godly parenting. As I look out and I see each and every one of you parents, I can see, obviously, just I think every parent that is here this morning have children. So this is very, very relevant. It's going to be a relevant message to you this morning. Uh, kids, you're going to learn a whole lot as well. And you can, you're going to learn how you're going to make our job easier. How many of you know, parents, that there is no more a difficult job than raising kids? And in particular, I think about, my heart goes out to those single parent families. My mother, who's uh, sitting over to my left, she had she had to raise five kids on her own. Five. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five on her own because my father was interested in other things. And uh, my mother, she raised all five of us by herself. And that was a very, 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 very difficult for her. She's, take, she's taken many wounds and she's been scarred along the way. But through it all, one thing that she did teach us, and I want to say to you this morning that all five of her children are saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Because she had this one ingredient, and she knew one thing. There was a lot of things that she did not know, and she had to meander her way through some things. But, but one thing that she didn't know is that those children got to know Jesus Christ. And I can recall many a Sundays, and I didn't want to go to church. I hated it. Like some of you kids this morning, you might be experiencing the same thing. But behold, one day you're going to find yourself in a place you didn't think you were going to be at your age. 
And so parenting is a, is a very, very difficult concept, and it's a very, very difficult challenge. Because particularly when you have more than one kid, you know, it's, the personalities are different. We have four kids of our own, and it's absolutely amazing that you have to take the time to personalize each and every child because every child is different. And so as a parent, you just can't, with a broad brush, try to paint it all the same because you're going to miss some things. You're going to have some serious issues. And so when you think about how difficult it is, you can see why we have so many problems today with our young kids who are trying to find their way and young kids having babies and, you know, and then the kids, they're growing up and they're out there and those kids grow up and they are lost. They're trying to find their way and it's a very difficult task. But thanks be unto God, he has given us the victory. God has given us instruction about how to raise our kids. And you can win. You will win in the name of Jesus. You will win. But one of the things that we cannot do is that we cannot. And I want you to hear me when I say this very carefully. I know that you hear oftentimes the politicians and everybody are always talking about coming up with some program, some concept. We got to do something to, to reach our kids. So, you know, we, we, we come up with another program, come up with another activity, come up with an after school program, come up with this, come up with that. And, and, and because parents nowadays, either they lack the tenacity, the energy, or even the willpower sometimes to put in the time to raise our kids. It is a full-time job. And it is not the responsibility of the government to raise our kids. Can I get an amen on that? I know that there's a lot of people that think that way sometimes. And so what we, so what we have kind of relegated ourselves to is just kind of, you know, dropping them off. And I can remember being a policeman, well, still a policeman, but I can remember when I used to work patrol and I used to uh, work at the uh, town center over in Reston. And uh, I would see these parents that will that would just drop their kids off. And, and I'm talking about 13 and 14 and 15 year old kids drop them off. At the high point of the day, one to two o'clock and leave them there. Don't come back and pick them up until sometime around 10 or 11 o'clock. And I used to see those kids involved in everything. I mean, they were involved. And I used to personally see it. They were involved in and drug activity, there was, there was sexual immorality because we would catch them in places. There was, I mean, they were in the, I mean, inside the theater doing stuff. They were outside. There was drugs. There was alcohol. There was all of these things because the parents just kind of dropped them off, not realizing the consequences of that. And so it would, it would be these same parents that when we would go When they had a problem in their home, they would call the police. Can you come over and help me with my kid? Jennifer, you know what I'm talking about. You work, she worked the the complaint line. And they they would call the police and say, can can you fix my problem? You're you're like, well, you let your kid do A, B, C, and D. And here I am, I'm supposed to show up. And inside of an hour, I'm supposed to correct all of your problems. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. And nothing frustrated me more than to see that. Because 
You have allowed your kids to do what they want, when they want it, how they want it, and now you're trying to figure out why are they the way that they are. How many know, parents, we got to take some responsibility? The way that we parent helped determine their personality, who they were married, the type of job that they get, their character. What kind of people do you want our kids to be? Who do you want your child to be? Your parenting skills or your lack thereof will help shape the destiny of your children. And that's the reality. What is the ultimate goal of parenting? Many people think that the ultimate goal of parenting is that my child, my son, or my daughter, that they get a great job, get a great house, make a lot of money, take care of mom and dad, <laughs> put us up. <laughs> but that is not the ultimate goal for the Christian. I want to underscore Christian. Because as a Christian, you have a mandate by God, and the children that we have, they are ours temporarily. God has put them on loan for us. He's loaned them to us so that we can help shape them and prepare them to make an impact for him. And so then the ultimate goal of parenting is to bring them up as disciples of Jesus Christ. That is the first and fundamental principle as parents. Listen, the, the byproduct of that, of course, we want our kids to succeed. I mean, you, you want your kids to succeed. You want them to make a lot of money. You want them to do well in society. You want them to leave a mark. But the Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain win the whole world and lose his soul? And so the ultimate goal of parenting is that they formulate a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because in all of their success and in their endeavors, if they don't know Christ, it is all for naught. Because every one of us is going to have to give an account to him one day for how we lived and how we raised our children. And so we're going to talk about today some foundational things as it relates to parenting that I believe will set you on the right course. As we have been saying throughout this series of teachings, that the word of God is a final authority for parenting and marriage. We got to get back to it. I mean to know that. We got to get back to the word of God. If we're going to have the kind of success that we want with our kids, let me know that God knows the answers. God is bigger than our kids' rebellion, isn't he? <laughs> God knows how to, sh listen, God knows how to pull them up by their bootstraps. God knows how to get their attention. And so what we need to do is turn the thing toward God and say, God, I need help because these kids are not getting it. I know my mom, she cried a many a day for me, crying out to God. I needed a couple, you know, she was praying and I needed some extra time by myself for prayer because of the kind of kid that I was. So parents must be committed Christians. I want to say that again. Parents must be committed Christians. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number six, and you can turn there because we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter number six. In Deuteronomy chapter number six, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. How many know parents? You cannot expect your children to grow up 
and be godly children if you yourselves don't, are not committed to the Lord. You cannot. One of the things that kids spot very, very quickly is hypocrisy, don't they? You know, have you ever, like, told your kid to do this? None of you will probably admit it. But have you ever told your kid to do something that you didn't do yourself and they called you on it? Wait a minute, Dad, didn't you do A, B, C? I mean, you're doing the very same thing you told me not to do. One of the things that kept me away from God for, for so long, and I knew God called me when I was a young kid. I knew who I was. I knew what God had called me to do as a seven-year-old boy. But one of the things that caused me to repel is the hypocrisy that I saw. The examples of the people who said they were God, who loved God. I mean, they would go to church. They would raise their hands. They would shout. They would knock over the pews, and then they would leave church and go get drunk, commit adultery, fornication, all kinds of violence. And I used to say to myself, why do I need God? I mean, if, I, if everybody is... I mean, if he's supposed to be the answer to life's problems, why do I need to come to Christ when I see that the, 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 it don't make, it's not making any difference in their life? I mean, if church is just relegated to me, just coming here on Sunday to make me feel good, to throw up my hands a little bit, I got better, I got some, I got some uh, better things that I could be doing with my time. I'm not here this morning just to go through the motions, folks. I am here because I am passionate about this thing. I want God to touch me. I want another level of, the, of grace installed into my spirit that will change me, that will set me on a course for success. Amen. I'm not here to play church. I'm not here to go through the motions, folks. We have a plan. We have a purpose. We are asking God to do something in our lives. And if our children are going to follow us, we must first be, if they're going to be godly, we must first be committed to Christ ourselves. If we're struggling with being committed to Christ, how can we expect our kids to? My father used to, he died back in 1987. Father used to send us and put us on the bus. And I went to, I always said I was Pentecostal slash Baptist. So on the Baptist side, my Pentecostal side was my mother. She was always, kept us in church all the time, three or four times a Sunday. You've heard me talk about that, so I'm not going to dwell on that. But my father, every now and then, he was, we would go to a Baptist church, and he would put us on the bus. He's like, get on the bus and go to church. But he never went. And I used to be like, man, church is so important. Why ain't dad going? Why, why isn't dad there? And for years, I wandered around trying to find my way because I saw the hypocrisy. And I saw a lack of commitment on his part. See, how many know it's one thing to talk a good game, but are you living what you say? I mean, are, 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 we, are, are we really serious about this thing or not? See, a godly lifestyle must be modeled. Jesus put it this way in Luke 6, 42. He says, or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. How do you know that we tend to think that, you know, Jesus is a 
he speaks words of grace, but how many know that he also can be very direct when he wanted to? And Jesus didn't have a problem calling the hypocrite a hypocrite. In fact, he called the Pharisees, he even called them snakes and vipers. He is snakes. He's just full of dead men's bones and all corruption. You talk a good game, but you don't live anything that you say. Jesus didn't have an issue with that. We must be committed as parents. I'm talking to the parents. Bear with me this morning. There must be a commitment to biblical truths as I got. Deuteronomy 6.6 6 says this, and all these words which I'm commanding you today shall be in your heart. We must have a commitment to biblical truth. The word of God. The word of God is under severe attack today. How many of you have heard over and over again? The Bible is not relevant. I mean, the Bible was written thousands of years ago. It doesn't really speak to the issues of my life today. That's what you hear. But the, word, the Bible says that the word of God, heaven and earth, will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Jesus said that I'm the same today, yesterday, and forever. How many know that nothing is never outdated concerning this word? This word is relevant. It is the inspired word of God. And we all must be committed and we must let our kids know that we are serious about this word. That's why, you know, when we're, we're, we're preaching a word and we, 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 we sit down and we honor the word of God. When the word of God is being read, we honor the word of God. And, and parents, we need to convey that to our kids, that this is God breathed. This is the inspired word of God Amen. to which there is a remedy to every problem that you and I face today. Our job as parents is to train them in the way that they should go and not in the way that they want to go. Proverbs 22, 6 says this. Now, I'm reading a lot of these scriptures out, uh, out to you because for time's sake, so you can jot them down. But Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Parents, let's deal with that. Let's break that down a little bit. Train up. Train up has to do with the, the concept of we start training our children in the things of God from the time they are in the womb, from the time that they are born, that we start laying a foundation into our kids. We don't wait till they're 5 and 7 and 15. How many know it's a lot more challenging then? Because right around that time, they start to develop their own mind, their own way of thinking, and they start to question things. I mean, teenagers question things sometimes. You're not going to tell them, are you? But I know you question things. Am I really going to follow my parents' faith? Am I really, really going to? Is this who I am? Mm. Train them up in the way that they should go. And when, when they are old, they will not depart from it. See, it's in the way that they should go, not the way that they want to go. The general rule is that when you train a child according to the word of God, the way of God, the commands of God, the chances of our kids living godly and making an impact for God is much greater. Now, it's a general rule. There are some exceptions. Because as a parent, sometimes you can do everything just right. And still you have a kid that's rebelling. That's a whole nother issue. But the general principle is that to the degree that you train them 
according to biblical principles, that they're going to grow up and they're going to return back to that same thing that they did not want at a young age. That they thought that they didn't want to have anything to do with. See, it's the principle of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 9 says that God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he reap. Watch this. What you sow into your kids, you're going to reap. If you sow anger into your kids, guess what? They're going to learn to be angry. If you sow lying and deception in your children, guess what? They're going to grow up and learn how to lie and deceive. Why? Because it was sown into them. So if you sow peace and righteousness and goodness, that's what you're going to get. The principle of sowing and reaping. So then that tells me that we need to be very, very careful about what we're sowing into our kids. Our kids are like sponges. They absorb every single thing that we do. They are watching us even when we don't think that they're watching. See, you all didn't think I knew that, did you? But I know that. And so it's incumbent upon us. So you got to ask yourself the question, what am I sowing into my kids? What kind of attitude, what kind of character am I sowing into my kids? Hmm. Because what you do in moderation, your children would do in access. So that's what, see, that's what parenting is all about. Parenting is all about modeling. That you walk in the way that you want them to walk. So if you want your kids to respond a certain way, then you got to model their behavior. That's, that's how you do it, see. You model what you want to see in their lives because they're going to pick it up. They're going to pick it up because it's just the way that it is. So one of the things that in our society today, you know, it's this whole concept of we are not you know, we got to remember that we're not called to be our children's friend. <laughs> I want to say that again. Parent, God did not call you and I to be our children's friend. And what does that mean? Are you saying, Pastor, I can't be friends with my kids? No, I'm not saying that. But how many know that today, nowadays, parents are afraid to offend their kids? And so what do we do? We sit back and we let them do what they want to do because, you know, I, I, I don't want to hurt their feelings. You know, I, I, I want them to just love me and, and I just want them to. Children want boundaries. They don't listen to me. They really know it. My kids, you know, they've gone places before and they've come back and they'll tell us how things were. And they didn't like it because there's a lot of structure in our home. We just have a lot of structure. Kids love Boundaries. They don't like them, <laughs> but they need them. And as your responsibility as a parent is to parent them, not to be their friend. If the byproduct is that they happen to be good friends, great. But my first responsibility is to be a parent, not to be your friend. I tell my kids all the time, I say, you don't have to like what I have to say. I love you to death. I will die for you. I will shed blood from every one of my kids. But you know what I'm going to first do? I'm going to parent them. And I'm going to tell them when they need to get it right. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know, I'm just going to say, hey, we need to tighten this up. And if you don't like what's being communicated, then let's pray about it. Because 
the rule has been set. This is the way it's going to be. But so often today, I mean, I would go in these houses and I would have these parents who would come to me and boy, and I, it was driving me nuts. They would say to me, well, you know, here, here's Junior, 13 years old. Well, I can't go in their room because, you know, that's their privacy. Really? They're in there, got drugs, alcohol, bringing the opposite sex inside the room. I, I, I'm not supposed to go in there because, you know, after all, it's the, you know, it's, they have to, you have to let them grow up. Well, wait, 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 wait. Where is the parent in all of that? Where is, where is setting, when God gave us our children, our responsibility is to train them up in the way that they should go, to help prepare them. Because kids, listen to me, you don't believe it, but you don't know what you're doing yet. You don't. I know it's hard. We have lived it. What goes around comes around. It's the same old, same old. I was laughing at the, yesterday morning, my daughter and uh, Jennifer, they were... Um, you know, they were laughing at me because they think I don't know what I'm, you know, I'm outdated. I'm, I'm not relevant. But here they are. They were doing, you know, they were talking about the robot. You know, the robot. They were doing some kind of dancing. You know, I'm thinking to myself, well, well I remember the robot was something like, like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can't remember. They used to kind of do this thing. And they, no, Dad, that's not how. And they start doing all this. And I'm, what's that? And then they start talking about a soldier boy. I said, what's a soldier? I said, what, did he do like this? What's that? This is a soldier boy? No, Dad, that's not no so you, you just They were just laughing at me. Because in reality, our children believe they don't think that we have a clue. They really don't. They don't think, they think that we are out there, that we are so far from reality, and when we tell them certain things, they look at us like, you, Dad, Mom, what's up? You, you don't know what's up. You don't feel me. Right? Because that's what they because they think they cool. Y'all think y'all got it together, right? We we really know what's going on there. Ma, I, I hear you, Dad. Good. See you later. And so what we don't recognize as parents sometimes, we get a little bit intimidated because our kids today are a little bit more forceful. And so what we do is we kind of step back and we allow our kids to set the pace. To set the rules when God has called us to be the parents and the leader. It's our calling. It is our responsibility as parents. You see, instead today in today's society, instead of preaching, you know, we preach, you know, the Bible says there's no sex before marriage, for an example. But you know what our society say today? Well, look, just go ahead and give them a condom. They're going to do it anyway, so we may as well just make it safe. That's a trick of the devil. You cannot disobey the word of God. You cannot try to to undermine or go around the word of God and expect that you're not going to escape the judgment of God. For the Bible says that whoremongers and adulterers, God says, I'm going to judge. But what we say today to our kids is, well, you know, and, this is, and even in some schools, they have these machines up. Well, you know, they're going to do it anyway. Just let them just go ahead and express themselves. Oh, really? Oh, no, no, no. We're going to express ourselves. 
We're going to keep. Listen to me. As a parent, you stand your ground on the word of God. You say, okay, this is what God's words say, and this is what I'm going to preach. Now, if you want to go and you want to do opposite of that, then that's on you. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. So you set the tone. You see, our job is to teach them. Look at Deuteronomy chapter number six. I told you to turn there a while ago, didn't I? Deuteronomy chapter number six, verse number five. And it reads, starting at verse number five. It says, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. This is Moses talking to the people of Israel. Verse six. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Watch this now. You shall, verse 7, teach them, talking to parents, fathers, grandparents, whatever, teach them diligently to your children. Teach the word. Teach what? The word. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The first thing he says there is to teach them diligently. That is, parents, our job, we're talking about the foundation of godly parenting. Our job is to consistently lay a foundation and to teach them the principles and the word of God. Not every now and then, not once or twice a year. But see, here's what happens sometimes. Because I like how the Bible says it. Because sometimes we relegate teaching our children means that we have to sit them down, we have to open up the Bible and say, kids, okay, sit while dad is going to preach. Whenever I do that, my kids are, oh gosh, here we go again. (laughs) Think I didn't know that either, right? That's all right. <laughs> but it's, it, he says that we should talk about the word of God while you're sitting in your house. Is that what it say? Look at what it says in verse 7. You shall diligently teach them. Be diligent about it. Be consistent about teaching them the principles of the word of God. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Not necessarily, and it doesn't mean that you don't use the word of God. You don't sit down and teach them and open up the Bible. But it also is the concept is that you're just constantly, on a regular basis, interjecting the principles of God in your house. I mean, sometimes, I mean, my, my kids will tell you, I, am a, I love sports. I love football. I love golf. I, I've just always been that way. But if you were to ask my kids... What is he really passionate about? What is the most? They will tell you what my passions are. You know why? Because I talk about it in the house. I'm always talking about the word of God, the things of God. I use every opportunity to interject the principles of God. And I'm not always sitting there opening the Bible, talking to him. Sometimes we're just sitting there watching TV. And, you know, and I just say, you know what? That, that, you, see, you see what just happened there? See, that's ungodly. You don't want to conduct yourself that way. Here's why you don't want to do that, because the Bible says A, B, and C. How many know you're teaching them now? You're teaching them a principle. Then he says that we need to teach them, look at this, not only when you're sitting in your house, just when you're sitting down, when you're playing games, when you're just 
having some family time, talk about the things of God, the principles of God. But also, when you walk by the way. So when you, you know, one of the things I make a habit of is I'm always, whenever I leave the house, I grab one of my kids and put them in the car with me. Why do I do that? And sometimes they don't want to. Sometimes they, they want to go play with their friends. And I say, no, no, come with daddy. Oh, why, dad? Because I want to take an opportunity and impart some spiritual wisdom into them. And my daughter would tell you, we'll drive down the road sometime and we'll see something inappropriate. And I'll say to my kids, well, you see how those two young teenagers over there are like, you know, right in front of Walmart, kind of like necking each other and touching each other? That is ungodly. You don't want to, you don't want to be doing anything. And, and you know what? And I'm teaching the word of God. I'm teaching the word of God. While, while I'm going by the way, if we see some, I mean, I'm driving down the road and I'm saying, God, what can I impart? What can I say? What kind of principles can I teach them? And so I use every opportunity to impart something into them. Because the Bible says, talk about the word of God when we're in the house. When you're driving down the road, lay a foundation into them. Those are great opportunities. Sometimes we feel like we get a little intimidated because we think, well, I got to sit down. I got to open up the Bible. Yeah, it can mean that. But also, it doesn't mean that you have to sit down and open up the Bible. Maybe it's just as you're going. But how many know that parents, that we got to know the we got to know the word. We got to be committed ourselves. We already talked about that. If we're going to teach the principles of God, we have to be aware of the principles of God ourselves. And so we can use every opportunity. When did we start doing that? We started doing that when our kids, when they were babies. I mean, we start, whether they can understand it or not, we're always talking about the principles of God, the ways of God. How does God want you to live? Oh, Dad, why can't I dress like that? Well, the Bible speaks about modest apparel. And the Bible talks about the reason that we don't want you wearing that high skirt or having half your body exposed. There's a reason for that because you want to present yourself as being holy. You don't want nobody to look at you and think of you as something else other than a child of God, a woman of dignity, a woman of respect. And so we use those opportunities. We, we communicate. Now, we get, we get the resistance. You know, my daughter, you know, we're going through it. She she gets upset at me sometimes on, you know, during school week. Could I, you know, I'm like, no, 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 you can't wear that. No, no, you can't wear that. Well, well. They look like, okay, dad, you're like, this is the style. I don't care what the style is. I care about what this book says. Because this is the standard. Right here. Mm, somebody say ouch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He talks about in verses 8 and 9, listen to this. He said, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house. What is he saying there? That our house needs to be a sanctuary. Now, it doesn't mean that we need to go and erect an altar in our house. You know, we need to put some candles up, <laughs> you know. But, you know, the whole idea here is that you know, there's some relevance of God, godliness in your home that your kids know. We try to find little pockets within, the, within our home to put up little things that would send a subliminal message that, listen, you are children of God. So we try to keep that word right before them. And so we'll put it on the computer screen. We'll put it up on the wall. You come in my house, you'll see a picture here and there. You'll see books. You'll see little things. What are we trying to do? We're sending a message. 
Because we want our kids to know that this is what it's all about. Glory to God. And he says, look, keep them as strong as before your face. Put it on your wall. Talk about the good. Let them know it's our responsibility, parents, to take this opportunity, these 18 years. And for some of us, it's 24 and 25 years. Woe be unto you if it's 30, 35, 40. Oh, Jesus, I've known some cases like that, too. I had a roommate who was like that, and he's still, he's 42. He's still living with mom and dad, but we must go on. I don't want to step on nobody's toes. Hallelujah. Now, Ephesians chapter 6. Now, I want to talk to the fathers for a moment. Can I talk to the dads? Watch this now. Fathers are called to take the lead in raising their children. Let me say that again. Fathers are called to take the lead as it relates to spiritual growth of their family and their homes. In Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 4, because you may be saying, well, Pastor, where did you get that from? Well, I'm glad you asked. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. He's talking to fathers. Watch this. But bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. God has called fathers to be spiritual leaders in their homes. Many fathers today relegate that they leave that to mommy or to the wife or to their wives to kind of take over all of that. But, but listen to me, fathers should be spiritual leaders in their home. God has called men to take the lead. Now, we've been talking about in weeks, we talked about the role of the husband and the wife. We understand that they both are created equal. But let me tell you something, men, that ultimately the responsibility and the well-being our, on our, of our homes, listen to me, it's, it falls back on us. It falls back on us to be the leaders in our home. That our wives shouldn't have to be saying, honey, you need to get up. Honey, we need to teach the word. Honey, we need to do this. Honey, we No, no. We fathers are to be the leaders. They're to get up and say, let's rise and shine. We're going to church this morning. Glory to God. Fathers. Let me show you what I mean. Here's an, and I'll just tell you, I'll paraphrase because we don't have time to turn there. But Eli was a priest of God. Now, I want you to hear that for a moment. This story, be, this story you can find in 1 Samuel chapter number 3. Here is Eli. He is a priest of God. An anointed man of God. But Eli had two boys. Boys were out of control, rebellious. I mean, these boys were just, I mean, they were the neighborhood thugs. These boys, listen, they were robbing the people of their sacrificial offerings. They ate portions of the offerings that were not allowed. Weren't supposed to do that. They committed sexual immorality by laying with the women who had the responsibility to the door of the tabernacle. I mean, these men had no respect for the things of God, for their father. They had, they had no respect at all. These boys were out of control. But then God raises up a little prophet named Samuel. God gives a word to little Samuel. Wakes him up in the middle of the night. And tell Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter number 3, 13. Watch this. 1 Samuel chapter number 3, verse 13. Watch this. Here's what God said. For I have told him. He's telling Samuel, I told Eli, 
I've told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew. Because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. God said, I told Eli that he knew that his boys were out of control and he did nothing to deal with it. How many know that an absentee father, you can be at a home and still be absent? Your presence does not, <laughs> your presence does not mean that you're engaged. We ought to be engaged. One of the things my kids will tell you, I am a defender of my wife. Boy, if I, ever, if I hear them, they'll let you know. If they sass her, if they talk to her in any kind of way, I pipe up real quick. If they start acting rebellious in any way, I, I, real quick. Why? Because it's my responsibility as a father to make sure that our home is a godly home. Then God said about Abraham, now Abraham was a contrast. God said about Abraham in Genesis 18, 19, for I have chosen him, Abraham, so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. Before God chooses a leader, one of the criteria is that that leader have to have his house in check. And God said concerning Abraham, he said, look, I'm going to choose Abraham because here's what I know about Abraham. Abraham is going to be the kind of man that's going to command that his household follow after God. Glory to God. God said, I'm going to choose him because God's desire is to bless us. If, boy, if we can get that, what is God after? God wants to shower his blessings on our families. He wants our kids. He wants them to be prosperous. He wants them to make an impact in this world. He wants them to do well. But how many know we got to get this thing right? God said, Abraham is different. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, Joshua said that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Here he was talking to these the Israelites, and some of them were kind of like in the middle. Some of them were kind of saying, well, I think I'm going to serve God. And some were saying, well, I'm not really sure. And you can almost see the picture, and Joshua kind of say, look, you all need to decide what you're going to do, but as for me and my house, we're serving God. How many know it wasn't a vote? <laughs> are we going to serve the Lord? No, no, no. We're serving God. Th- these are the principles by which we live. This word is the principle by which we live. This is it right here, folks. And we communicate this to our kids. Joshua said, as for me and my house, this is where it's going to be. And fathers, we have to take the lead in that. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to do all the things. Thank God for, I'd say it all the time, I could not be the man that I am if it were not for my wife. That woman is absolutely incredible. In many, many ways. But she helps to do things. And and she'll come to me every now and then. She'll say, we need to get a devotion or we need to talk this again. She'll come to me. You need to talk to, and you know, I I don't need, oh, sure. What's the problem? Now, to me, it may not be all that big, but mommy said I need to talk to him. I'm going to have a talk with him. Because I want to make sure that mommy's happy. I want to make sure the mommy don't have all the weight of that while I'm just kind of off and doing my thing and watching TV or 
doing some other things that even can be con constructive things. But my first responsibility is in my home and my family. My first response, my first ministry. You all have heard that before. So in conclusion, there is no right formula that will guarantee, I want to underscore guarantee, that you will have godly children. There's no, there's no perfect scenario. I can't just give you a formula and say, if you do A, B, and C, I guarantee you that it's going to work this way. Anybody say that to you, that's not entirely true because there are two reasons why that's not true. Number one, there are other factors at work in your kid's life. None of us parent perfectly. None of us do. I mean, we're all trying to figure this thing out as we go. I mean, I, I stand before you today. I'm not Mr. Perfect. I, I make my own mistakes. I'm trying to figure this thing out just like you are. We're in this thing together. And so sometimes parents don't always assume that your child's rebellion is your fault. It's not. Sometimes. Because, you see, there, there are several factors that must happen if our kids that will determine how our kids will turn out. That first factor is that parents have to honor and obey God's word in training their children. Secondly, children must honor the Lord by obeying their parents. You see, parents have a responsibility and children have a responsibility. Third, God's sovereign rule in directing children and parents towards his purpose. So we need all those things to happen. Children got to do their part. Parents got to do their part. And then God to come up and clean up the mess <laughs> and bring it all back to where it needs to be. That's the sovereignty of God. That even parents, if you've done everything you can do, I, I, I tell you that this is, this is the most important thing that you can do for your kid is to get on your knees and pray. And as the Bible says that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And every single day I am praying. I mean, there's sometimes with tears. I say, oh, God, because I know, I know that just because my kids obey me externally, it does not mean that their heart is with me. You see, we, we, we think that sometimes because our kids comply. If, you know, you've been around me, my kids comply with me real good. If I ask them to do something, they will do it. But that doesn't mean that their heart is really with me. They can, they can, re, they can, they can respond physically, but spiritually and emotionally, they're like, I don't like this not one bit. And the first chance I get, I'm about to here. Doesn't mean that just because they comply. And so I'm always saying, God, 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 will you touch their heart? God will, you, God, will you pour out your spirit and give them a heart for you? God, will you please, Jesus, minister to them. Lord, let them know the depth and the height and the width of the love that you have for them. Oh, God, that you will give them a heart for you. And sometimes I cry that in tears because I know that as a father, as parent, I'm limited. I can't do this by myself. God has made us in his own image, and so we have the ability to choose. I believe that parents, with our commitment to the word of God and prayer, that God will turn them around, and at some point they'll come back home. I believe that with all of my heart. 
But, 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 but young people, you have a responsibility because you can't get into heaven on the coattails of your parents. You know, I'm a preacher, but my kids ain't going to go to heaven because they follow me to church every Sunday. Doesn't mean anything. It's only when they make up in their own minds that, you know what, I'm going to possess this faith for myself. Because you're going to have to give an account to God one day for your own life. I, show, I sent some pictures to my wife the other day, and uh, there was a picture, and she yelled and screamed at me. In my career as a, as a policeman, I've seen some horrific things over the years. And I sent her these pictures of this person that was driving. And uh, I think there was text messaging or doing something, and it was, there were horrible pictures. And what that brought home when I first saw the pictures, I thought, you know, life is really like a vapor. You know, sometimes kids, you know, you think that you're going to live forever. You think you're invincible. But then I looked at that picture. I thought, you know, that guy left home today thinking he was going to be coming back, thinking that everything was going to be normal. I want to see every one of you in heaven with me. I want to live together with every one of you. But life is not, listen, you don't know what a day is going to bring. But one thing I do know, that Christ has a plan for your life. And if you have never given your life to Christ, whether you're a parent or a child, every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Holy Spirit is talking. If you have never...